87th year of the Red Century, second month of summer, Thursday, late night. Begin log. The events of the past several days have been a whirlwind. Seeing that blade in the hands of those three and their taking down of threats far beyond my initial assessment is something I am documenting to the best of my ability. As such, I will be primarily speaking of three individuals. One of them certainly has her head on straight, but the other two are easy to read. And yet, they perplex me. The woman who goes by Nadeshko, a Kagutsu assassin whose true name is Silent Starlight. Phoenix, a monk without humility, and Rain, daughter of the blacksmith Hachisu. After an exchange at a food stand, I found them in the possession of a lotus petal. I believe Starlight refers to it as Benegia. After the events in Mushibetsu, it's clear she's extremely powerful and extremely dangerous. My spies, however, could only see her enter the northern district of Do, and I can't touch there. It's a place where lips are sealed with gold, and we got as far as knowing that she's somewhere there. The first width of Shinsengumi, and no one talks. I have to find a way to keep an eye on her. So, Six. Hey. Hey. Hi. So, what's been, what's Nadeshko been up to? Um, so we just had, I mean, the big fight with the Eternal, right? Mm -hmm. And recovering the uh, Lotus Petal, but like, you know, it's been a little bit of time since that. Well, time. Like, so what What has she been up to? That's the grind set, you know? It's the gig economy. Yeah. Um, she's been working. Um, she has been doing, like, less... Um, I think a thing that she has become conscious of... There are a couple of things. I've got, I've got a number of, like, you know, character sheet changes. Um, but how sure. it relates to this is... Um, she had been sort of exclusively doing violent contracts, right? Um, mm-hmm. partially because it's what she was trained to do primarily, and also because, uh, she was used to, like, she was trained with the understanding that she would never be dealing with a client, right? When she was right. raised, it's like, no, you know, someone will, will give you missions and you go do them. Um. Exactly. And once she's like, oh shit, I have to go make my own missions, um, I don't want ones where I have to deal with people, I just want to kill them. That's easy, I know how to do that. Right. And this is part of one of her, um... The first fate I ever wrote for her was emotion trouble relating to people. Um, and mm-hmm. we're sublimating that now um, because okay. I think there are two things that have happened. One is through her interactions with, uh, you know, Rising Phoenix and Wandering Rain and, you know, Emmy and all these other characters, she has a better understanding of people and how they are. And the parts mm. she doesn't, the other thing is the parts she doesn't understand, she doesn't have anxiety over anymore. Um because a lot of it, it was like, people do things and I don't understand why. And there are still times she doesn't understand. But at this point, right. she has been frustrated enough that she's like, they're probably just being an idiot. When in doubt, right. so she's stupid. Right. So you, like, uh, Nadeshko at this point has kind of come to the realization that, like, in, instead of like, oh, why aren't these people acting perfectly logical? She arrived at the second step. Oh, yes, they're all dumb. Does that sound pretty, about right? Pretty much. Like, when in doubt, assume they're dumb. There are people she doesn't think are dumb, 
but it's like if someone does something and you don't understand why before she's like there's some super sophisticated reason they're doing this that no they're just idiots who does nadeshko respect out of curiosity like who whose intelligence does nadeshko like think of as like an intelligent person hmm uh that's a fair question um i think she so far she has a level of respect for yuri i think she thinks he's a little um impulsive as far as like like he she saw him get like angry and sort of like like lose it a little bit right um mm-hmm. and she doesn't necessarily she's like eh, everybody has flaws but she thinks that's a flaw of his um right like she like yuri at one point like screamed at you know um rain and nearly you know beheaded phoenix right mm-hmm. um but yeah most of the time he tends to be like okay i'm just doing my duty I think she has a cautious sort of respect for Tadakichi. Um, mm-hmm. she, I think she doesn't... She can imagine a position where she were in charge of people, but she would never want to not be on the field. And I think for her, she sees Tadakichi and she's like, this guy is clearly smart and clearly capable, and I don't understand why he doesn't do some things himself. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, she doesn't. she doesn't... She doesn't quite know how to unpack it yet but she has a has a respect for midori as well right the um garden tender in like at tadakichi's estate Mm -hmm. and i think also pointedly connected to fates she has been mulling over uh the eternal and having less and less respect for him how so in it like if when people when she doesn't understand why people do things she assumes they're stupid there's very little the eternal did that she understood and she's pretty confident most of it was him being an idiot um and i think this kind of plays into she keeps thinking like he has all this power and what is he doing he's running around like a rabid dog trying to bite people like this is Mm -hmm. this is your vision of power um and she finds her her mind wandering to what he like if he'd put his mind to trying to change the state of the world um because this is part of a, a destiny she has that she doesn't quite understand that she has as a kagutsu sort of programmed into her as it were uh a impulse to cause war um mm-hmm. and she's like man this guy could have caused a lot of war and for some reason i think really that would be him. good <laughs> yeah is it like something that like she has this thought and she doesn't you said she's like she doesn't really know how to process it or just sort of like man the eternal like if he if he had just (laughs) uh pulled up by his own bootstraps or whatever he he would have like really gotten something done yeah and i think like you know it's it's not like he he did pull himself off by his own bootstraps it's the place he pulled himself to right it's not like she doesn't have an inherent like disrespect for people with power because she understands that like a lot of the power she has it's because she was literally built that way and she's like some people aren't literally built with power that happens but if you have it why the fuck are you wasting it yeah because you have this idea that like the eternal was just sort of like even even in the stories that were told about him it's like hey, he's just doing banditry mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. he's just like fucking around yeah and wanting to do so forever which is like oh great your big ambition is to be petty forever great um Mm -hmm. and so i think that that's sort of mechanically it's like she uh, she sublimated emotion uh trouble relating to people Mm -hmm. 
uh, and she has raised Destiny's Seat of War from a level 3 to a level 4 fate. Um, okay. And then, mechanically, with the, with the 10, um, 10 more, you know, points I get from sublimating, I think I am, I am learning two skills that started at zero, um, mm-hmm. so I'm raising them from zero to two because they're specialists, and that's how that works, um, and one of them is etiquette. She has learned how to deal with clients. Okay. Um, so how had, how, like, what was the process for Nadeshko to, like, learn this sort of thing? Like, like what did she do to kind of, like, improve her skill at etiquette? So I think it's a lot of what, like, it's part of been what has, a, a reflection of what has happened in play, and then also what she's done with her downtime, which is more odd jobs, and I'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, like, dealing with Yuri and being kind of the main interface for the party for Yuri is, like, she did that out of necessity because she's, like, Rising Phoenix Please. is going to say something stupid and Rain is going to say something rash and I'm the only one here who can say something and not fuck it up. And she's like, oh, that wasn't as bad <laughs> as I thought. Yeah, she just, like, literally all she did was just, <laughs> in, in some ways, just do what she was told or, you know, okay, these two boneheads are going to, like, you know, screw it up somehow, so I need to take charge. Mm-hmm. And I think importantly, it's etiquette because it's like she has she knows how to like how to have the right manners and stuff. She doesn't necessarily know how to like convince like push a client towards one action or the other. She didn't figure that out from this. Um, yeah. And then the other thing. Please. Oh, go ahead. Please. Uh, the other thing is the work she has been doing in the downtime has been much lower key. Um, Partially because she's like she's trying to stay close by to you know like Tadakichi's estate and everything for when she's needed for work, and so she can't go out into the countryside and kill a bunch of people. She has to do the kind of jobs that are you can do in a city without causing a lot of attention. So she's gotten uh, some more skill at the criminal arts, lockpicking and stuff. And that you know kind of ties into like what was already kind of what she was already kind of good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think even it's like you can think of it as being like skills that she has had and just sort of has neglected to use. And so she's sort of, get, you know, building that muscle back up. Right. Like a reapp- like kind of like a reapplication of what she already knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's um, as far as like mechanical changes, that's what she's been up to. Um, and yeah, mostly it's just been like doing more odd jobs she's like she's um stolen some things she's poisoned some people you know just uh you know she's done some probably industrial espionage of sorts um right but yeah just the kind of the kind of uh cloak and dagger stuff you can get away with in a big city yeah because like doe is still like it is a densely populated area there are always going to be someone in need of like you said, like like a, a lock picked or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's that's sort of been what she's what she's been up to. I think distinctly, she has made an effort to not be uh, around her her other party members. She has avoided Phoenix and Rain. Did, like <laughs> you, you didn't even like. Hmm. I wonder where is like Nadeshko staying, like or. It's more like she never told them where she was staying. 
in some ways. I think if she, like, if she were to, like, see one of them during the day, like, she's staying at various, like, hotels, and her cue to move is if she sees one of them during the day, just incidentally, or, like, hears someone mention them, she's like, all right, new hotel time. I don't want to see these people until I have to. <laughs> I do, I do enjoy the idea of Nadeshko just, like, ha- having tea somewhere, and then, like, upon, like, seeing out, of, like, Phoenix somehow in the corner of her eye, like, collecting donations or something, that just the the wait staff looking away for one moment and then they just see a collection of like mon like on the table <laughs> nope nope i'm good here nope. this place has got, undergone some monk gentrification and i'm gone <laughs> <laughs> so you mostly hang around like different hotels you also like try to stay around the estate as well yeah i, um, I want to be close enough if i'm needed yeah yeah i i feel like i feel like there would be a moment of like you you would get like little letters or something like that like from you know people that just need work done um or just like the information like i imagine uh kamui would also probably provide you a fair amount of that information too mm. sure that makes sense what is what is um uh Nadeshko's current karma level by the way uh i believe she is stuck at 85 okay Cool. Um, I think that's like all the like. It sounds like you've taken care of the fates and you've like raised your skills. Um, I was thinking of like you could you like we could do a scene of like like a moment in which like you have like gained this understanding of like etiquette in some way because that seems like really interesting that like she has to like applying. Like, I I get this vision of Nadeshko applying the same framework of her learning some new, like, technique to kill someone with the same framework to learn how to, like, be polite at a tea party, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think, like, the the way she treats it, right, is etiquette is not, like, etiquette is not trying to make a good impression. Etiquette is, like, managing threat, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you could think of it like, like, it's a form of stealth, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, who she could interact with that would, like, that is, like, that moment of understanding, right? That, like, kind of crosses you over to the one, as it were. The, like, go ahead. The other possibility um, for a scene mm-hmm. is something I was thinking about, which is, um, she's mad at her sword. Okay. Um, the Eternal could do really cool shit. And she's kind of sitting here like, this is what a lotus petal is? What the fuck do you do? Interesting. So, like, it's like a moment in which she's just, like, frustratedly, like, in her room, looking at the looking at Benezia, just being like, what, what is your deal? I mean, maybe even holding it, because she knows it can kind of, it like, not, like, talk, but it can communicate, right? Through, like, bursts of mm-hmm. emotion and sometimes, like, like, blurry and distinct memories. And... She's kind of like, I, you know, I have come to an understanding that there's a lot more you can do and you're not doing it. (laughs) This is a performance review and you're doing bad. How about, like, this idea where she's, like, sitting, she's studying the weapon and maybe, like, because at times when people, like, touch the blade or touch it in some way that is, like, 
like it's almost like a defense mechanism that um Benezia has that like causes this like massive burst of emotion mm-hmm. right what do you think what do you think of as Nadeshko's way of like okay instead of activating this massive burst like what is something that I could do to like tap into it slowly so that I can get some understanding actually oh boy I th- I think I there's a way she could she would think to do this. I guess it's up to you whether this would work. Um, hmm. She could summon a clone and hand it the sword. Just be like, all right, okay. sword, use this mouth. Here you go. <laughs> okay, I like this. Um, which, uh, with, so we, we've <laughs> previously established that some of your clones do, in fact, have personalities of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, which ninja clone do you summon in this moment, like, to help you figure this out? I think Ichideshko would be the most, like, willing, like, kind of, personality-wise, would be the most, like, able to get out of the way. Because um, Ichideshko is already pretty distant and probably would not have a have a problem with being, like, sure, whatever. Um, whereas, right. like, Sandeshko would be, chi- like, chiming in to apologize for when the sword was mean. And that's not very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Nideshko is just. <laughs> I'll talk about Nideshko. <laughs> um, so, okay. I think it, it, the scene is like. Where do you want this to be? Do you want this to be at like a random hotel or are you like in, like, say, like at the estate so that you know if this like goes poorly, you have backup? I don't think she wants anyone else knowing about this. I think she has picked up like a she usually goes to pretty nice hotels, like not like, you know, crazy nice, but she's going places where, you know, they make sure that the room is in good shape before you, you check it. You know, Motel 6, they leave the light on for her. Um, they leave it on for you. Uh, today, she's got a place that doesn't leave the light on for her because she is paying for discreetness. She is picking a hotel where she's like, people are not going to be in the other rooms. And if someone were to come, I would know because this place is so badly built the the like the floorboards are going to creak like crazy so i want some privacy mm-hmm. for this one sure like i'm imagining this is like northern part of like doe kind of like the seat of your district as it were and you just you you know it's definitely like you enter into this hotel and the um little window in which you give your money you don't even see the person you just drop some coin in a little bag and a hand just hurriedly grabs it and hands you a wooden block that represents your room Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense uh so i think nadeshko like goes up to her room um on her way up she is she is you know trying to pay keen attention to to everyone around her and i like check on the rooms like neighboring her and stuff and make sure um that she's got privacy uh once she's in the room she locks the door um she checks to make sure that there's no i mean like you know this is before like electronic bugs and stuff but there are still ways you could Mm -hmm. modify a room to make it easier to spy on someone she checks Mm -hmm. for that um and then once she's satisfied sorry go ahead does she find anything or like just sort of like there's nothing to note except like there is a like there is a stain in the corner of the um like the the room that you dare not to investigate i think there's like a, there is at one point a small hole in the wall and she like she contemplates for a minute if this could be like an intended peephole but like that position 
of it is like, no one's, that's just, no, it's just a hole in the wall. That's not a good place for anyone to look at anything unless they're trying to really get a great look at your ankles. And I mean, Nadeshko has great ankles, but I don't think that's probably that someone's true. Motive. We have established this before. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. And it just makes the room just like slightly drafty mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, yeah, basic room, little table in the middle, and a in the closet is a ratty futon. Yeah, I think she um, takes a piece of like bandage that she carries with her, just like a little bit of gauze, shoves it in the little hole in the wall to block it to some degree, and then summons Ish- Ishidesco. Ooh. Ichideshko. Um, immediately Ichideshko gets into like that sort of like kneeling pose of just like awaiting orders, like wordlessly. Um, I think she draws uh, Banesia, the petal, um, and then like places it like the specifically the blade part, which is I feel like that's the you get the best conductivity there, as it were, um, mm-hmm. in her hands, and says like let it talk. Of course, my lady. She, um, raises, like, basically she removes, like, I imagine she has, like, a, you know, I don't know if your character wears gloves, but just, she removes, like, anything that would, like, hamper with the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, in places, like, basically she places, like, a single index finger on, t- like, just, like, the tip of her finger on, like, the curve of the blade. The blade itself is... It is so interesting how much that this blade is... How these blades, like, no matter what the lighting of the room is, it always looks like reflected moonlight. And I think that... by Through this, like, gentle approach, through this, like, considered, like approach of like the ta- of like the the sword is still and only a single like finger is placed upon it but even then you see like you observe that like Ichidesco's body just shudders right but she manages to regain her composure I have questions Ichidesco's eyes open and you see like that reflected moonlight and you just hear this voice that, like, emerging from her mouth that is nowhere near what yours sounds like, but simply says, Ask. I know you are capable of more. Why are you not doing more? I am capable of what I don't understand your meaning. Do you need more blood? I feel I have killed a good number of people. It is not blood that gives me power. I am driven by the emotions of ours, the emotions of my user. What you pour into me is what I give away. Are you seeing... Are you saying you need me to be more emotional, then, in order to perform better? My power is derived from that of the soul. You must pour yourself into this. Your emotions will make me stronger. What emotion you choose, that's up to you. I think sincerely, she tilts her head for a second and she ponders and she says, So you can confirm I have a soul then? 
She's a tree person. She hasn't been clear on this. <laughs> Life means everything in this world. Did you not think the tree you were carved from would not contain that? I haven't been clear on what the boundaries are. People say that people have souls. They say sometimes that objects have souls, but then they will go and claim that an animal does not. It's unclear to me. I think that the blade... The blade's understanding of a soul, the blade's understanding of how life even works is... In some ways, like, a reflection of what has been already been poured into it as well. Like, mm -hmm. maybe that the opinion that the sword has is one of, like... Maybe it's not so much the sword confirms that you have a soul, but the person that has initially wielded and, like, made this weapon certainly does. And whatever the case is, it's responding to Nadeshko. I didn't notice that, so... Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a great source of life within you. But it is simply that source. What you do with that power... I don't know. I simply desire the ability to grow, and you must give it to me. I have one final question. Is the Eternal in there? No. Good. Nice to have some good news. Well, until next time. And I think, seeing as it's already lying on like on a surface, you know, it's held steady. I think she just dismisses mm -hmm. Ichi. Ichi. It's just, you know, the sword sitting on right. the table now. Yeah, the little um, the piece of paper flutters to the ground, and the reflection of the blade like, dim slightly. I think she picks up the piece of paper and tucks it away. Um, and she looks at the sword. And she goes to bed without, like, touching it. She leaves it where it is. In the morning, right. she'll get up, she'll sheathe it, but for now, she... I think out of, like... It just it could be like displacement or whatever. She's like, I feel like mm. after that conversation, I want some alone time. I think probably it does too. Yeah. And I I think that like when you like when you wield this blade, like you you've learned that like it is not like blood that like feeds it it is like the a powerful emotion that you place into it after like when the sun rises and Nadeshko goes about her day like what is like does Nadeshko have a plan of like how to make the sword grow or like what are what is her reflection on that i think she's kind of going through like, the emotional responses she's had recently and wondering what could kind of be a seed of, like, you know, something she could continue with. And I think she is kind of torn because she is like, well, I feel like the strongest emotional reaction I've had is getting really pissed off at Phoenix, but I don't feel like that's productive. <laughs> um, right. And so I think she's still just kind of trying to figure it out. She, like, I think... 
as is her want, she, you know, goes and has some tea, right? Like waiting for perhaps waiting to talk to a client. She spends some time drinking tea and she kind of lets herself sit with a tea and, and sort of like, you know, it, it's like if you tell someone to feel things more strongly, what would they try to do? She's like, I guess I'll try harder to enjoy this tea. Uh, you know, like I'll look at the sky. People say the sky is pretty and she's looking at it. And she's like, it's just a fucking blue thing. I don't know why anyone cares. I don't know if this part's working. Um, she's just trying to figure it out. I think. I like the idea of like her just <laughs> trying to like, again, suss this out. Like, like, okay, do I need to write poetry? Do I need to like, what, what is, <laughs> what is the trick? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I like this like approach that she has where it's like, no, what is the logical answer? And it's like, great. I have been saddled with, <laughs> a blade that responds to, like, very illogical things. I think there's a moment, in fact, we did just a quick, like, comedy beat almost, of her with one of her, like, she has, like, throwing needles, right? Um, mm -hmm. That she, uh, she doesn't, she's not particularly good with, so she doesn't tend to carry them, but she's like, I do have these. Um, and she's about to, like, poke her finger, and she's like, wait, I don't think pain counts as an emotion. And she puts them away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Like, okay, pain's are like a response, but it's not like an emotion. Um, she goes to get a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am now just like, I guess like my, my like interest would be like, would there be someone she tries to talk to about this sort of thing of like, what the hell even is this like response, right? Or, or not talking about, oh, how do I make this sword better? But, like, more like, how do I even get in touch with my emotions to begin with? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... Huh. I don't think, I don't think she's willing to be, like, she wouldn't be willing to talk about it with someone she's going to see again. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of like, you know, leaving vulnerability on the table in a way. I think it's something she's going okay. to have to sit with. I think as as a player, the answers I'm coming with are are things I don't think I want to I want to go into. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. I like the idea that like she has to sit with like how like do you have space for another like fate? Because sure. I feel like you yeah I definitely should do. add one more, which is like I mean I think you have like fate relating to emotion, but like well, I, I solved it. It was it was about not being able to you know to get it and i think like a fate of something like feel more intensely yeah that makes a lot of sense like feel, like i want to feel more like yeah feel more intensely because like i think for most of nadeshka's life she has been like okay i have been experiencing things certainly but i have not like really dug deep on that and i like that at this juncture she's still being like not clamming up but just sort of like okay i need to solve this on my own which is like i think an interesting narrative thread for her to like deal with and i think like she is you know there is a degree of this like as a player i'm assuming this is going to go a place where she can't treat it like this anymore but she is still a very i don't know if you'd say logical but certainly a very like cold like reasoned person where it's like she was mm -hmm. built not to feel emotion strongly and her clients have seemed to appreciate that and so she's like if i feel emotions it's going to be for some sort of profit basically 
not right. necessarily money, but like a, to my to my benefit. Um, and that's not really the spirit of emotions. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, she does not know what not. she's getting herself into. Perhaps. I think leaving it at that, leaving it there, I think works. Okay. Like I think that gives her a lot of like really interesting places to go. Also, can I cure my light wounds? <laughs> You've been walking around bleeding all this time. <laughs> yes, you can. Cool. Yes, you can. Cool. Alas, I can only speculate on what she was doing. She was seen at a popular tea house several days later. She's so hard to pin down. Maybe I'll find that Kugutsu artist soon. Make a note of that. <clears throat> Much easier to track down, however, was Phoenix. Uh, she goes by Rising Phoenix, I believe. She insists on being called Fee, but... Anyway, she's a case I'm shocked I never ran into before because of her background check. I mean, it's full of little run-ins with the law. Speaking with Hunting Hawk, it appears she used to run in a gang of small-time bandits, never really getting any more ambitious than... Simple, petty robberies. But she got Hibiki killed. She got... She got Hibiki killed. I, I don't know how Tadakichi can stand that. Regardless, my job is to keep track of her now. She helped take down the Eternal. I gotta keep her in my sights. Per my informants, she spent some time with her master in the mountainside, doing training, by the looks of it. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm doing okay. That's good. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna play a little bit of the fate taxes, as they call it in the book. I don't. I I, I feel like I feel like the author, like the translator, felt exceptionally clever for that one, but. We'll just move on. Um, so last last time, basically, we had met Phoenix. Um, y'all had just defeated the Eternal. You are still just kind of like basically the gap that we're going to talk about is like a span of two or three months. Mm. Um, what kind of things has Phoenix been getting up to in that meantime? Hmm. Like, since we defeated that enemy at that big uh, stone, like, like that big... Yes, the Eternal. Yeah, since we finished, we need, since we defeated the Eternal, um, in those three months, I kind of thought we'd be all traveling together, but apparently not, so... No, like, I mean, basically what happened was immediately after this, uh, Tadakichi was like, okay, cool, I'll call you when, uh... I have, you know, I need you again. Um, he's like, and you've been set up with like, you know, a basic residence, you know, so you can stay in dough. He wants to, you know, keep people around. But um, I don't know. How does, how does like Fee spend her free time just in general? Um, I guess aside from like continuing her training as like a, her specific uh monkhood and stuff like that she's uh hmm i think she tries to like 
trying to think of what. Here's a question. Yeah. Does she... I mean, does she look for people, or is she just more content to, like, focus on her mind, focus on her training? Um, you also, you know, one of your assignments is also to raise money for the monastery. Like, yeah. like <laughs> what what kind of things do you do? Yeah. I, I think she mostly keeps to herself when she's not, like, either training with her fellow monks or raising money um but uh when she is raising money she um tries to go around asking folks in a traditional sort of would you please donate to our monastery and when that's not working she just picks up odd jobs like uh working at a restaurant for a few evenings or uh Mm. things like that okay So, um, you mentioned training. Let's, let's, let's talk about the numbers, like, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, first, what you're gonna do is we're gonna make a fate roll for you. Okay. Uh, let's see. And this is just to determine how much, like, basically how much you have to work with during this level up. So it's gonna be... And... So it's going to be based on a skill of four because okay. you got taboo fighting, and ta- emotion enjoys fighting. <laughs> All right, so you got five. Um, so you now have five ki and thirteen ike to spend on basically whatever you like. You can buy new fates. Um, Although your karma cost is still pretty low, so you could, um, you could work to potentially um, lower your karma, um, but you can also take on more stuff. So, what would you like to do? Wait, you mean my karma was is already high? Well, remember your karma is at eighty, mm-hmm. and one hundred eight is what happened. Like, as long as you're under one hundred eight, you still get to play the game. Okay. I guess I would like to lower that a little bit then. Okay. So to lower that, you have to sublimate a fate. So how do you want to do this? Okay. Let's see. Generally, what is something that, like... What is something that you have encountered with playing Rising Phoenix that you want to, like, improve? Is it... Like, you're pretty good at martial ability, but, you know, there are other skills that you may be lacking. Um, what is something you want to focus on? Yeah, I definitely think putting a point in invasion would be a good idea. Okay. So you have eight. So you have eight IKE left. That means you can take, you can spend one IKE to, um, you can spend an IKE in order to, um, re-roll, do another fate roll or take on more fates, that sort of thing. Could I do it to reduce a fate? Sure, you don't have to spend anything for that. Um, what were you thinking? Um, I'm thinking based on the way my character has been going, um, taboo fighting would be a little bit lessened. Okay, so this is a pretty intense fate. So you are, so you are reducing taboo fighting, which is rank four right now, and dropping that to a three. Yes. Okay. So you have reduced uh, your karma by 20 for that. Damn, okay. Um, so what does... So you have 
made taboo fighting less important to you. Mm-hmm. Which means that your emotion enjoying fighting means more. So what is that kind of... What is this internal conflict for Phoenix? What does that look like? Um, I think it's a combination of... Fear just because uh, it seems like she might be getting away from like the thing that uh, propelled her in the first place. Mixed in with... Um, this sort of elation that she's finally finding something that makes her useful to mm-hmm. others and to her group and stuff. Right. Do you, if I may make a suggestion, do you want to have, like, take on another fate, like, fear of the self? That sounds like it fits. All right, perfect. That works out great. So, how does that fear of the self, what does that manifest for Phoenix? Like, is it, you know, I'm imagining a scene in which she's at, like, a, you know, she's at a dumpling place, right? And she's served, you know, tea in a cup. And the cup is just a little too warm, and you, like, flinch, and it shatters the cup, right? Like, you're becoming way stronger. Yeah. There's that. There's also, like, just moments where she's surveying the damage she's done during fights and is a little bit it both awestruck and, uh, like, what the hell am I becoming sort of situation. Okay. I think this, like, transitions nicely to a scene that we had talked about where uh, on this, like, sweeping like wide field of just very tall grass um you see um master retsu and phoenix meditating um in the middle of this field and i think the amount of time that has passed is frankly irrelevant because both of you has kind of forgotten how long y'all have been there but you're troubled right Phoenix is having a hard time concentrating on, you know, nothingness, as it were. Mm. What what thoughts kind of float into your consciousness? As I'm just training, um, trying to keep out all thoughts and stuff. Well, like, Phoenix is meditating. Like, the point of meditation is, like, to try and have no thoughts in your mind. And yet something keeps bubbling under the surface of your consciousness. What is it? I think it's an image of myself that uh, is more aggressive, meaner. The, the kind of person who would have... Uh, I imagine recreating that same image back at that burning house on lame. Just watching it from a third-person perspective and seeing a much crueler expression on her own face as uh, she is uh, taking this, robbing this person and maybe even just cutting him down in the process. I think in that moment you feel like as you're being as you're attempting to concentrate as like your you know face is like scrunching and just trying to like get there a hand um outreaches and just lands on your shoulder 
Sister Phoenix, you seem troubled. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I, I am saying it. I can see it. Well, stand up. All right. You two bow to each other. And then... You, you've done this before with Master Retsu where it's like... You are... You decide to start sparring, right? Like, this is something that you do to keep your mind and body, like, sort of, you know, together. And, but this is also an opportunity for you to talk to Retsu as well. Mm-hmm. Sister Phoenix, what is troubling you? You are uncharacteristically quiet this afternoon. I'm dealing with a bit of apprehension because the thing that brought me here in the first place, this fear of doing, uh, this fear of using my innate abilities for harm. It's almost fading in a way as I continue to assist my friends. I worry that once that fear extinguishes entirely, then I'll be a much different, much crueler person. He backs off for a moment. Sister Phoenix, what was one of the first things I taught you? I remember when I first encountered you, you were quite miserable. Practically begging to come into my temple, and I didn't let you in. Why was that? Because I was there for the wrong reasons. Hmm. What is the right reason, then? You are... your mind is in two places at once. The right reason isn't to shut myself off from the world, but rather to... Embrace it in a way that... In your hesitation, you get, like, slammed onto the ground. (laughs) I'll give you a moment to think. He sits down, pulls out some water from a from a little um little uh pouch, like a water water pouch, pours you a cup, hands it to you. I just uh wordlessly take it in to gulp it down. You're not incorrect, Phoenix. We exist as part of the world. We cannot shut ourselves from it. Why do you think I send you down into the city to collect donations? Tell me, Phoenix, what is the functional difference between stealing a coin from someone's bag and asking for that coin? It's essentially an act of willful exchange versus using power to take what you want. But what are they getting back? They are still without a coin. They are getting the... satisfaction from having helped someone out in need. Sister Phoenix, why do we train our body? To help ourselves and to help others in need. Oh, so you have been paying attention. Good. 
You still have a ways to go, but you're starting to understand it, but he looks down at his uh, glass a little bit, stows it away. Sister Phoenix, part of the reason why I took such an interest in you was because I may, many decades ago, was not in a much different scenario than you have been in. Oh, you are also a thief? I didn't say that, now did I? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. What I am saying is I understand what you are struggling with, but part of understanding comes from the struggle itself. You're not failing, Phoenix, but you still have a long road ahead of you. The question is, can you walk it? I'll do whatever it takes to walk it. And if someone cuts off your legs? I'll use my arms instead. Good answer. (sighs) Now... Let's return to the temple. Uh, those leaves are not going to sweep themselves. Uh, so that's why you're here. Fair enough, I guess. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Retsu smacks Phoenix on the <laughs> on top of the head. <laughs> and then just pats your back. Come along now. Phoenix is simple. That's what worries me. At least she has the common sense to keep her mouth shut occasionally. Her compatriot, Rain, on the other hand, came straight to me. I appreciate that, but... Rain is someone I found myself frustrated with. She's seemingly obsessed with weapon collection, with almost no understanding of how powerful the Lotus Petals and their wielders are. She sees them as trinkets, as toys... But, she seems to be coming around to realizing how the world works. Those things are pure destruction incarnate. What we found out earlier tonight, that shook me. Shook me to the core. Hey, June, what's up? Uh, not much. That's... Alright, so, we, um... I see that we we've made a couple of changes to your character sheet. Um, let's talk about those real quick. Um, so since the events of last time, the gang dealt with uh, the Eternal, and it's been about a month or two since that event. So what is what has Rain been up to in that time? Uh well, recovering first of all. Uh, right. She was just one, essentially one HP away from death. Yeah, that kind of, like, changes your perspective a little. (laughs) Yeah, so she has focused herself on, one, recovering her body, and two, she's kind of started feeling in, like, 
unprepared for this adventure and needing to prepare herself more is just a way to deal with kind of almost feeling like uh like feeling that she almost failed in that first fight against a pedal yeah because you know like it had been one thing to like see them and i it's so funny to think about how like er, like even in in episode zero you have rain just blatantly reaching out for one thinking oh yes this will be easy and then it's like oh no she like she has been witness to the terrifying power of that sort of thing um yeah especially oh go ahead what were like not just in nearly facing death like what were some of the like thoughts that rain has had to deal with in that time i think she has not she was not expecting someone besides her uncle having this kind of like terrifying presence that the eternal did she was uh she had not given much thought to the petals like who the petals went to only Mm -hmm. that her mother had made these weapons and her uh her uncle had like sought one out with enough like like with enough like murderous intent that he came and killed her uh, her mother to take one like that is right she uh has not considered who else could be out there with one in the eternal has kind of awoken that like idea that people some pretty nasty folks are going to show up with them if mm-hmm. uh given that they're like very powerful weapons and have a reputation yeah absolutely um you mentioned that we we were talking before this that one like you had this fate initially of you were hesitant and now it's like you like rain feels inadequate mm-hmm. how does that how does that inadequacy manifest for rain not just in combat but are there other ways in which you feel like rain is struggling with that hmm um, I think that she is probably, uh, holding back in discussions or staying quiet in, uh, conversations that, like, group conversations in a way that, mm-hmm. like, she doesn't want to, like, speak up and make it, like, draw attention to her. Like, I'm kind of wondering, like, how much actual indications she's gotten from other people that they think that she is like frail or like not able to handle this in a way that like or anything that she could interpret as that kind of like signal because the way that she she's probably having to come back like on a stretcher back to town and Mm -hmm. probably like i imagine the conversation with the the town elder uh goes very poorly for her because she was warned explicitly to keep herself safe um oh yeah, yeah. i i I, ima- I can imagine that like in the time like like you know fumio like just would be absolutely like not disappointed in you it's just more like oh come like i just said it <laughs> you know she's like yeah i take my eyes off you for a moment frustrated that i got myself beat up that badly mm-hmm. um and also worried that i almost died <laughs> Oh yeah, no, like, I think it'd be one of those things where 
whatever emotion of like whatever that like sort of maternal instinct that like Fumio has to like scald you like is completely overridden by the fact that it's like oh no she's hurt mm-hmm. I need to like take care of this yeah um so so that is something that you've been dealing with in which like rain is like clamming up a little bit um and I think another thing that you mentioned is that you are really feeling the effects of, like, you know, the way we've written it is, like, the void left by your mother, right? Yeah. Um, She is without, uh, she is diving into the, like, uh, the quest to retrieve the petals proper, and suddenly realizes how much she like doesn't understand about her mother's work and about the the petals themselves and also but the effect that the petals are on the world around her uh she is kind of her like understanding of that history is kind of just just now opening up mm-hmm. so i think this would like this brings us nicely to like one of the things you mentioned, like, off-air was, like, you want to have Rain... Like, Rain wants to have this moment with the Mantis Scythe, um, the most previously recovered Lotus Petal. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's go into that. Um, and I was thinking something along the lines of, like, maybe you're at, like, at Tadakishi's estate. Like, is obvious. it's like, you just... <laughs> You kind of assume that if this guy is, like, his whole deal is, like, trying to maintain and track these weapons, it's like, okay, it's gonna be here for a couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like instead of your usual tack of, like, trying to go around, you, you're gonna, like, speak to someone directly about seeing this. Uh, well, who would be guarding them? Who would be, like, in charge of, like, holding on to them and keeping them in, uh, in place? Like... I don't know who she would actually need to, like, talk to directly if... Like, I don't think it would be Tadakichi himself, right? No, he's he's a very busy man. Can you Have you have you seen his his books, his ledgers of people he's talking to? I mean, probably not personally. Is, yeah, of course not. It's personal. <laughs> um, but I, I think, like... I think, like, the, the person that, like comes to mind is like uh, like Tadish Kiji's like confidant which is like Yuri um who last time we saw kind of you had a you had some words for you um mm-hmm. I think if I may like set the scene in you're of course feel free to chime in with how you're also envisioning this I think that um, it is the evening time at the estate, and you just kind of see him, like, next to, like, one of the ponds. Like, this is like a, the like, Tadakichi's estate is not exactly sprawling, but there's more detail than you would expect. You, you suddenly understand why uh, he would have a full-time gardener on staff. Um, but in one of the ponds, there's, like, a small bench. And you see Yuri in the distance. You see the lingering trail of smoke just kind of rising into the sky. Hmm. Um, And what do you do? He's just like kind of just sitting there, clearly reflecting on something. Um, 
I think that she is going to approach without saying anything and start with a very deep bow just to try to humble herself a little and say, uh, may I talk with you? Um, he turns around and sees you and he's, he, Yuri's not a man who wears his emotions on his face but he seems like a little like there's like this that, that momentary twitch uh, kind of like in his eye it's like oh. <clears throat> rain is it a yes Sure, sit down, kid. He scoots over on the bench. I think she'll approach the bench and kind of like sit at the very like edge away like, <laughs> on the other the other side of him and not yeah like, try to he, not make, he's like <laughs> try not to make just, any contact with each other. Yeah, he's just like he's just like sitting normally on like the left side of it. You're just like Hanging comically ne- yeah comically negotiating like the sliver of space <laughs> that he can take. <laughs> that you can say, uh, and he just he just goes like, "Scoot over, you're gonna fall over." Uh, and she just sits normally now, just like I would like to ask you, even if it is very personal. I, I would like to understand how the petals have hurt you. I feel that it... I... I I got from our previous conversation that you have history with them, and I am completely ignorant. He, um... He wasn't looking at you for, like, a minute. Like, he was just kind of, like, staring out into the lake. Like, this, like, little man-made lake with, like, koi and frogs. and He he just, like, kind of turns to you. Kind of, like, slowly, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't see rage in his eyes. You don't see, like... like Because, you know, your last interaction with him was just one of, like... He was, sharp, like, shouting, barking mad, right? Mm-hmm. And he pulls out, like, a little portable ashtray and just extinguishes, like, the cigarette that he was having, and he puts it back in his pocket. I, um... No one's asked me that in a while. First off, Rain, um... Look, I kind of flew off the handle last time we spoke. Wasn't exactly... (laughs) I'm supposed to be a little more composed, you see. But, whatever. I didn't... I wasn't there at the beginning of the war, you know? I think we were all just kind of swept up in it. It had been going on for some time, but only I... I maybe joined it in those last few years. 
He's like, you know, his his hand is like shaking. I lost someone really important to me. And I... I heard what happened to your mother. And... I'm sorry. I'm sorry as well to hear about your loss. Was it one of her sorts that did it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I... You never know how much space someone takes in your heart until they're gone. feel like I barely got to know to begin with. My mother uh, died when I was very young, so I can't imagine losing someone so close that late. Yeah. I... Thank you for telling me this. I feel like I need to learn more about the, these weapons' history and what effects they have had. It's, I feel like I haven't had a proper understanding of them beyond the uh, legendary status they seem to hold. <laughs> That is the thing about legends. They never quite tell you the whole story. You get a... You get a sliver of an image that just gets echoed, you know? Yeah, and... It feels like being... Sitting and growing up near the source of those echoes can skew your interpretation of some kind uh, in some way uh, it uh, I do you know where the scythe is now the mantis scythe yeah I figured that someone around here might know where it's being stored I would like to take a closer look at it to understand it better, if that's okay. He, um, he straightens up, he thinks about it for a moment. Mm. Well, I think if you're just, you're not planning to borrow it, are you? No, of course not. You're going to have to leave the bag. I see the bag you carry. You're going to have to leave that, like, outside the room. Uh, of course. Okay. I, I was trying to make a joke. Did, did it work? I'm not really, like, a j- jokes. Per- I don't, don't Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. I, I just need to bring in two things. What do you need? Uh, two pillows. 
Hmm. All right. All right. Here's what we'll do. I figured you are... You being so close to their origin, I figure... Maybe... Maybe we can learn something. So that will be... Alright, I think we can make this work. Give me, like... He, um... Takes five for a second. Give me a few minutes. Meet me in the... Meet me in the hall. Mm-hmm. A few uneventful minutes kind of pass. Um, I think- Rain realizes she <laughs> was like, How long was I supposed to sit on this bench? <laughs> um... Go ahead. I, I think that she has the pillows with her already. I, I think I want her to, like, pull out of her bag just two very, like, um, like she just pulled some pillows off, some throw pillows off of, like, uh, <laughs> some furniture somewhere. I don't know what kind of, like, furniture would be in Tadakichi's uh, estate, but, like, she found something. Okay. Yeah. She she found something. Um, uh. So you meet Yuri in the hall. Um, he slides the um, door open and lets you in. Um, closes it. And he's like, alright, I got... Oh, you got the pillows. Okay. He um, So basically in this room, it's just a table. And the Mantis Scythe is sitting on this table. Um, the, open win- the open door, you know, to the environment, like... It's one thing for metal to reflect the light of the moon, but the, like, almost, like, the other lotus petals you've encountered, like, it is eerie. It is, like, almost blinding how much the moon is reflected in this blade. Hmm. Alright, Rain, what do you... He lights up again. What are you planning to do? Anyway, it's just something that I had remembered my mom doing. I plan to ask it a question. He, um, froze his brow a little bit. Okay, how does that work? The, uh, do you know what Sintamani is? Wait, that, hold on, I think I remember. Didn't they use that to, like, power mobile suits? But, like, or something? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm not familiar with mobile suit design, but the, it is a metal. It is a type of metal, extremely rare, that, uh, is, that my mother has woven into the core of each of the petals. Uh, her, uh, the skill it takes to work with it is beyond most uh, weaponsmiths, uh, and it's yeah, yeah, right. I remember, like the mobile, the people, the soldiers that used the mobile suits. They they would burn through this stuff. Even a small like piece of it would be burned through so quickly. My mother had a way of refining it, and what. It would react in a specific way with people. It would, uh, it would be like a uh, 
a sponge for memories and experiences. It would grow and change with the people that used it. And that's what makes the petals what they are. They retain the experiences and the knowledge of the of their wielders, of what they of where they've been, of uh what their what the intent was behind each blow, and they change shape to fit their wielders' needs and thoughts and feelings. Oh. He's like just kind of exhaling. I was like, huh. So, okay. But, I don't know. I heard reports of like when people would touch this thing, it would, they would lose their minds. How the heck do you plan to talk to something like that? Well, it's fairly simple, actually. It has all of the memories and experiences of its wielders. And it has... they The petals, I have heard, form a sort of personality over time. Not a... I, I couldn't say whether they have an intelligence. That's not something I understand at this point. But they definitely have ways to communicate. And touching one without it being prepared is likely to send uh for if for to like send a uh defensive response which is probably what uh people feel when they reach out for one without realizing what they're doing so okay i think that she's going to place a pillow near the table for her to sit on Mm-hmm. And she's going to very carefully, like, I, I guess it's sitting on the table, which I wasn't really, like, yeah. thinking about. But, like, um, she's going to find a way to place a pillow underneath it. Okay. So, like, you you could just, like, you know, you ask Yuri to, like, move the table. And it's, like, just sitting on, like, so the lotus petal is covered in a cloth at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's been carefully unwrapped. Uh-huh. And, um... Like it, like so. It's been carefully unwrapped. It has been presented. Uh, you are on the pillow. How do you? How do you make the connection with the lotus petal? Hmm. Um. I believe that all it's going to be is she's going to, um, sitting like straight across from the lotus petal, both of, like it and her on pillows, just like as if we were having a conversation. She's going to. Uh, bow forward a little in uh, like in acknowledgement and uh, I think that I want to have her introduce herself first as I am Rain otherwise known as the Wandering Rains I come to you as the daughter of your maker to ask a question how have you hurt this world and she's going to reach out and touch I think when you place like your hand on the blade itself you do feel that like you feel that initial shockwave but you're ready for it mm-hmm. this time and you hear like 
the sound of like akin to like a a guttural beast, right? Mm-hmm. Where like your hand makes contact, it's like this wave of sound of like a lot of anger has been is flowing over you, but you are diving past through that as if you are breaking through a like like a torrenting river um and you are i think that when you close your eyes right Mm -hmm. you find yourself in this swirling void um and it's just like (laughs) You are in this swirling void, and it's, like, almost like the gnashing of, like, teeth and, like, angry eyes. And, like, forming in front of you is a shape only vaguely related to humanoid in front of you. But it is not attacking you. Uh, I've already asked my question. Do you want me to uh, ask it again, or...? You can ask it again, but you could be, like, more forceful okay. about it or something like that. Yeah. Okay, then she'll say, I ask again, how have you hurt this world? In this swirling mass of this, like, wordless, like, being, like, you hear the sounds of this, like, angry beast, basically. But forming from this mass is, in fact, like... The shape of the um, mantis scythe itself, and more shapes have been popping up. And you note, and you like, you recognize one of them. You see, like, this shape form of, like, the hospital that got, like, slashed when the Eternal was wielding it. And you see that this thing is almost pantomiming the like it's it's kind of like it is trying to like communicate like the things it has done Mm -hmm. and you see that like you know these abstract shapes like take form over and over and you see this like the eternals like 50 years of life almost flashing over and over Mm -hmm. of like multiple um of people being struck down or entire, like, you know, buildings being sliced and flattened. Um, what is, like, is there, like, a memory or, like, a memory that this thing is communicating to you that stands out to you? Hmm. I think maybe the first encounter of it with the Eternal, because it is probably a very different sword at that time, or a very different blade. Mm-hmm. It is, um... I don't know who would have wielded it before the Eternal, but it is. it was probably taken from someone else. Uh, and has... might not have even been the same, like... Like, if it was a, if it's a scythe now, it could have been something completely different before. Um... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm ima- I'm imagining like you see the mass of like eyes and gnashing teeth have been like it forms into the very first like 
attack that was used with the Mantis Scythe, and it was just, like, it was a dagger. It was a dagger maybe the size of, like, the palm of someone's hand, but the way it was thrust into, like, a body Mm -hmm. just shows, like, again, you just see these shapes in it, like... like, it, It was being used to, like, tear and, like, cut through things in a way that daggers don't. And it slowly takes shape over time to become a scythe. Yeah, but even simpler than that, that very first strike, it was a stab in the back. And you could see, and you could see the, like, for just a moment in the shape that was stabbed, a very sad set of eyes. And... I think at this moment you find yourself, like, pulled out of the, like, this void. Like, kind of suddenly. Um, and you kind of find yourself a little out of breath, <laughs> I think. Um, and, uh, like, not that you've been knocked back, but, I like, the the Mantis Scythe is still just stint, is still, like, in the middle of the room. But, like, you're, it looks like you're sweating bullets. Like... <laughs> Um, if I, yeah, and if you want to, like, add to that, let me know, obviously. Um, but, like, I think, like, you know, you're being, uh, supported by, like, Yuri at the moment. It's like, what? Rain, what the hell did you see? I saw a long history of violence and, uh, a almost, uh, just a almost bestial presence in there. It's, I, I need to get out of this room. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, he, um, and he, and, you know, you see that, like, like, in his pocket, like, he had, like, um, he has his notebook, and he had been scrambling to, like, write notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and observing what is happening. And... I think, like, this scene just kind of ends with you, like, you know, after he has, like, wrapped the blade and just, like, basically, like, kind of leaving it there, knowing just how incredibly dangerous this thing is. I hope I'm right about these three. Despite my misgivings, they may be able to do what I cannot accomplish. But I shudder to think what happens if I am wrong. I feel the heat rising. It would only take a single spark for this whole island to be engulfed in flame. I sincerely hope that does not come to pass. End of log.